The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, a brief interlude from all of the trade talk here to get to a podcast that we have put off for far too long, and that is our awards. Can't really say that this is through any specific month. We're like smack dab in the middle of the month here, but it was time to get to this again. The all-star break in the short season has kind of messed us up a little bit here. So let us begin, Danny. Well, I'll, I'll say as a caveat, just for those of you who are newer to this, that the way Nate yes. and I do awards, unless, unless otherwise specified, it is the se- full season to this point. This is not who played the best since the last time we did awards. It is not anything of that nature. Unless we say specifically it is the blank of the month, like, I don't know, a trend or a whatever thing like that. And so it is the season to this point. It is not a prediction of where things will be at the end of the season. And we will say for each thing, if it needs to be clear, clarified what our what our criteria are so as i went through with mvp and the all nba teams which i'll do the research for in concert this is just what voters in 1961-62 must have felt like with bill russell who i think actually won the award that year as the celtics were in the midst of winning eight championships in a row will average 50 points a game oscar robertson had the only season ever to average a triple double not that anyone actually cared about a triple double i don't think back then up until 2017 was the only season to do that but of course the thing that was remarkable about that season is they're playing about 120 possessions per game there and if you think about when the shot clock came in it was 54 55 and you go from that kind of dead ball era all the way up to still probably the highest scoring era that we've seen certainly the fastest pace era that we've seen although offensive efficiency was much lower at that point than it is now but that's kind of what we see now where the traditional numbers not even just points per game and rebounds and assists but things efficiency numbers offensive rating when your guy's on the floor all of these things now we kind of have these traditional benchmarks in our head and this is the year where i feel like it's just the change has just outpaced even what i can kind of keep up with so as i went through this i tried to put as much of an emphasis as i could more on impact metrics more on what your team was doing when you're on the floor but ultimately what i got to is you could really make a case for probably seven guys where i would say for the statistical case is nigh indistinguishable i don't know what you thought about this i i had eight i had eight so yeah yeah this is the this is not just the hardest mvp you know rankings or anything like that that we've done at this point in the season this is the most flat most balanced i've ever seen in the time that we've done awards period like any beginning of the year end of the year whatever yeah and remember that most valuable is calibrated differently this will come up a couple times in how i ordered mine most valuable is different than most outstanding and a big part of that is because when you how much you play matters and so like my rough permitted mvp though the margins are so thin in this is actually fourth in my MVP rankings because he's played less yeah. than some of the other guys. And, you know, so... So, so, so let's... Uh, but before we get into any specifics, the way I'd like to do this is just... I want to just go through the case for all these guys. Sure. Without saying which one we think is the most... Uh, 
who, who has the best case but i think just in line you know no particular order let's just go through some of the statistical case for some of these guys because i want you guys to go through be in our heads as we were actually trying to do this all right let's start with Nikola Jokic yeah I mean so normally you would have all these caveats on for a center and all that stuff but I mean Jokic's role within Denver's offense is very much in line with all these other players he is brutally efficient over 60 percent true shooting and he you know he's spacing the floor like a lot of the things that you wouldn't think that a center is doing like he is checking all of the offensive boxes no that's true and I know one of the things that you went through before this was just trying to rank who the best offensive player was was Jokic in that discussion for you oh absolutely yeah I mean I I didn't like come to a definitive like pronouncement on it but yeah he is his resume is is up there with everyone so a a few numbers uh, on Nikola Jokic 7.4 net rating that is very solid especially considering all the discontinuity that Denver has had really outside of Jamal Murray nobody else uh, has been a stalwart for them all year 119.9 offensive rating when he's on the floor 112.5 defensive rating when he's on the floor that's actually back around the league average now it had been a lot lower the last time we looked at this uh also worth noting that the nuggets you know there's some thought of oh the nuggets are just you know if they were just doing uh, meeting expectations this year Jokic would have more of a case well they've won 2.5 fewer games than expected based uh, on their point differential and so if they had just won those games that excuse really would probably be out the window uh with Jokic uh now he is number one in 538's Raptor offensive rating and he is fourth in the NBA in offensive rating among players playing 25 or more minutes per game. Defensively, it's weaker, still not as bad as it was, but 72nd among centers in defensive RPM, 35th among centers in defensive Raptor. The on-off component is really rough in that when you just look at solely when the team has been, how the team has played with him on the floor and off the floor. Some of the statistical benchmarks that go into that are are a little bit better. Uh, He is 354th in the NBA in luck-adjusted defensive RPM, which adjusts for opponent shooting luck. Uh, on jumpers and free throws essentially so the defensive argument is not great uh and then in the clutch Jokic only average overall in the clutch he does have a good record on shots to tie or take the lead but Denver overall in clutch games nine and ten that's games that were within five points in the last five minutes and you know, he's 57 percent true shooting not like unbelievable doing that so so that's your resume for Jokic possibly the best offensive player in basketball to be sure anything else that you wanted to say uh, on him what we we've gone into this in previous awards but having a more limited defensive center matters more like that is Jokic being let's say he's theoretically equal quality defensively to some of the guards on this list that actually makes him less valuable because there are fewer ways to clean up faulty centers let's put it that way and yes it's true that Denver has been significantly better when they've had Millsap and Jamaica green available one or both and they had both out for a time which was really challenging for them but as a practical consideration just because it's easier to paper over you have somebody to clean up the messes and all that and people said oh well what about if Jokic played power forward well if you played power forward you'd have to run a completely different system and all that so that is a that is a very material thing to mention with Jokic especially when the field's this even okay who else uh, was on your list here Damian Lillard is another favorite of the uh, of some of the models he is currently second in offensive RPM he is first in the offensive component of EPM, which is estimated plus minus one of the, not a direct 
successor to PIPM. Congratulations again to Jacob Goldstein. But you know something that kind of takes some of those takes some of those stuff in line. Lillard also has been an incredible clutch player. He has a 38% usage in games that are within five points in the last five minutes and 80% true shooting. Um, the Blazers are scoring 133 points per 100 possessions in clutch situations, and they're 18 and six in those games. As of when we recorded this, they're playing the they're playing the Mavericks right now as we record. So, it, like Lillard, another player with a serious case to be the best offensive player in the NBA. Yeah, clearly the best clutch player in the NBA. And yeah, so he does have really terrible metrics on defense. I don't put that on him as much again just that as a guard I mean, we've seen that these guards that are supposedly so terrible defensively when they get good players around them then it's okay right i think there are many other guys who are a much bigger problem with the blazers 29th ranked defense uh lillard eighth in offensive rating when he's uh, on the floor among players playing 25 more minutes and i think if you look at the talent around him probably not as good as some of the other guys that are in at that level although they do play some more offensive focused lineups uh, to be sure and i'd say his he doesn't really have a second banana with cj only having played now i think 16 games the way Jokic does with murray who's been pretty good this year too uh but you know i, I wouldn't say that lillard's or Jokic's offensive supporting cast is that much but i think it, well i guess portland is better shooting that's a, that's probably a, a big part of that uh but less creation than denver does and yeah i mean this is maybe right now though one of the best clutch seasons that we've ever seen maybe the best clutch season that we've ever seen like lebron in 2018 for that last cleveland team was up there westbrook in 17 was a little bit different because part of the why they were so good was he could just do all the shooting and then they had like all defenders defensive players around him uh but no i mean he's he's been unbelievable 80 percent true shooting in the clutch plus 74 clutch plus minus that's the best in the nba plus 30 net rating just to reiterate it a few of the th- just, things that you just said. As, a, as a fun note when i was going through it the only player with over 25 clutch usage with a better true shooting is Terry Rozier. Rozier's at, I think, like an 86% true shooting right now, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it is. But but obviously, Lillard is the one creating everything. Yes. You know, Lillard, or, or uh, Rozier's, you know, number one, he's not as high usage. Number two, he's kind of, he's just hitting some open shots. Oh, no, more. I just wanted to mention it because it was amusing. Yeah. No, no. I mean, those are obviously crazy numbers uh, as well. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. 
and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that hundred night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us Joel Embiid is 117.9 offensive rating with him on the court. I mean, that is really good when you consider some of the spacing challenges and playmaking challenges that the Sixers have. Uh, 12.0 net rating. That's awesome. That's one of the top few in the NBA. Uh, he's fifth overall in RPM. Uh, fifth in the NBA in net rating among players with playing 25 or more minutes per game. Also having a very good clutch season of his own. 14-3 and three team record in clutch games games when he plays 65 percent true shooting 40 percent usage which is insane for a center and we'll see maybe in the playoffs when teams can lock in a little bit more they can take that away but so far at least he's just proving the adage that you can't go to a center down the end of games obviously he's a great free throw shooter his, his foul drawing has been utterly insane you know going back to almost like peak shack levels of drawing fouls at least drawing unintentional fouls <laughs> and and then another another part of the Embiid argument is that of the dominant offensive players he has been one of the best defensively and i mean the, sure. the, so that's part of why Embiid is is fifth in rpm is that he's a plus 2.5 which is which is at the same level of some of the other best players in this list Embiid is also third in EPM the full the full version of it one of the few that like clear positives on both ends of the floor so yeah there are a lot there are a lot of a lot of kind of traditional and non-traditional arguments in favor of Embiid also the Sixers you know 30 and 13 record that is the tied for the most wins but the second best record because the Jazz have fewer losses yeah now the biggest argument against Joel Embiid frankly is he's only played a thousand and ten minutes so far this year and we are not factoring in that he's may miss more time with that knee bone bruise but he, he's just been in and out of the lineup and for reference the leaders in this have played about 400 more minutes so basically have played 40 percent more minutes uh, than Joel Embiid has played this season where do you want to go from here well LeBron James plus 9.0 net rating on NBA.com plus 13 though on cleaning the glass which filters out garbage time and 103 defensive rating is by far the best among this group lakers have the number one defense and have really fallen off some but not a ton since the demise of anthony davis and marcus ola remember has been out as well marcus ola is still an effective defensive player so lebron obviously did have this high ankle sprain and we'll talk a little bit about the implications of that in a second but that just happened a couple days ago that doesn't really factor in and he's been right up there among the leaders in minutes that's not at all a demerit um anything you i got a few more stats on lebron but anything you wanted to throw in there um one thing i wanted to note is that like so for looking at rpm while lebron has been kind of like the through line for this 
great Lakers defensive season, even without AD and McCasol playing their full expected allotment of minutes. I still think RPM is giving him a lot of credit when you consider that LeBron is primarily playing the three. And it is so he like if you're looking at the you know the defensive argument, like so right now if, we're, if we want to use RPM, they have LeBron as the number fourteen you know number fourteen defensive RPM in the league and. He's had a very good year. The Lakers have had a wonderful year. I just think that's a little bit rosy. Yeah, I I mean, I think that's... uh, Although they're really... Once you get beyond the top four or five guys, there really aren't any, like, awesome defenders... True. ...in the league this year. And I think he he is... Although he's playing the three, he generally plays more of a a help role. And he's been important in setting the culture there as well. He's... And it's not just the box score prior that's getting him there. He is eighth in luck-adjusted defensive RAPM, which is just solely based on the on-off data. And he's number one in the NBA overall in RPM, number two in luck-adjusted RAPM. And I would say that he's had probably, at least as of now, Giannis may pass him, but I think he's had the second-best defensive season uh, of anyone in this group um last thing though uh he's only been average in the clutch this year 55 percent true shooting so that's that isn't really positive or negative in his favor and, and oh by the way he's probably the best player in the nba which i i think is a that's something that you can maybe use as a tiebreaker when it's this close together uh, so somebody else we can go to is the reigning MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, his true shooting is actually up from last year, though Giannis's usage is down and his assist per 100 is up a smidge. He's one of the league's best defensive players again, you know, maybe not the tippy top like last year where he won Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. Um, and then another strong part of his argument is that while it's not entirely Giannis, of course, the Bucks' offense has been excellent when he's been on the floor this year. Yeah, in the, the 118 range, uh, Giannis seventh overall in five. 538's Raptor 13th in the offensive component of Raptor and also the Bucks defense is really starting to come around 102 defensive rating with him on the floor in the past five weeks they're up to 10th overall and uh, especially considering some of the guys that they've had out like Holiday missing all that time for example like this isn't really a team that has great defensive personnel so that's pretty good we'll see if that keeps up you know Giannis definitely is moving forward here and you know the Bucks have had a disappointing regular season to some but they're still on pace to win 57 games so it's basically right about where they were supposed to be and he is now third in the NBA in net ratings net ratings over 12 uh, among guys playing 25 or more minutes and Milwaukee is third right now as we record this in cleaning glasses version of point differential and they're underperforming their point differential by 1.6 wins and the cleaning glasses version of net rating bucks plus 11.2 when Giannis is on the floor yeah and that's just uh for the season so uh yeah they've done a little bit more damage uh, in garbage time but now a demerit against Giannis only 26 percent usage in the clutch which is pretty low they do not run things through him in the clutch his free throw shooting actually has been getting better that's that's something to keep an eye on too because he was down you know around 60 percent I think the last time we checked in on this he's up to 67 percent he's been shooting it much better from the line lately although he did have a and he'll have the occasional air ball or two still that doesn't give you the 
greatest confidence in him. But, you know, Giannis, I think he's he's not quite there yet. You know, I mean, there really isn't anything that you look at that has, you know, he's not number one really in any of these metrics that we're looking at uh, or really in the top five. Uh, I guess he's fourth overall in RPM. Um, so I, to me, I, I mean, I'll spoil it a little bit, but he's not quite there yet. Uh, but he keeps playing like this and he may well be in this conversation at the end of the year. Somebody else we haven't talked about is Kawhi Leonard. Leonard having an under an under the radar season. Um, but what part of what I think is is a strong argument in favor of Kawhi being in this tier is that he has the combination of an offensive role and success, but also he provides a lot of defensive value now. He's not the defensive player of the year type guy, you know, the best perimeter defender in the league, game in, game out, that he was at his best moments with the Spurs. We actually got that as a um a question during a, an NBA cast a little while ago. Um, but he is a he's a wonderfully efficient offensive player player and totally deserves a place in this conversation yeah his individual numbers are not quite as ridiculous same thing with lebron actually you know 60 61 true shooting for for those guys but Kawhi 120.4 offensive rating when he's on the floor for the clippers and 10.4 net rating when he is on the floor he is sixth overall in raptor way down though in offensive rpm much higher in the rapm um and the clippers have underperformed though in clutch situations and unfortunately he's been a big part of that that is and again we're splitting hairs here to some degree this is about the value you've provided this year maybe you can say it's a little unfair because this stuff doesn't correlate from year to year for example like john morant was one of like the top three or four clutch players in the league last year and he's been terrible this year right it's definitely you know, westbrook would have a good year and then he would have a bad year i mean this is it's a small enough sample size yeah i think that, i value that yeah. less than you do just for yeah the first well i mean and i normally you know last year you didn't hear us talk about that at all but again i'm just so bound up here that there isn't really a clear statistical winner and also i mean the other your other problem too is there isn't really a dominant team this year like the jazz are on pace to win about 63 games in theory based on what they've done so far this year i think it'll be lower than that it, uh, obviously that's over the course of an 82 game season but they don't really have an mvp candidate either so you can't really go to like that tiebreaker of who's the, the best player on the best team you can't really go in that direction either so uh but Kawhi, i think is being underrated in this discussion i think i had him number two last time we did this but it is clutch season 38 percent usage 46 percent true shooting clippers six and nine in close games they've had some pretty pathetic collapses as well but Kawhi is eighth in the nba in net rating among players getting 25 or more minutes and third in the nba in offensive rating among players getting 25 or more minutes one other player we should mention, um, Stephen Curry. Curry still the, you know, I, I brought this up when we did a, a Watfo earlier in the season, dominating in offensive RPM, 9.83. Lillard is second at 7.34, so he's just lapping the field there. Part of that is because the non-Curry Warriors are just so putrid offensively that it makes him look even better. He's But he's also third in offensive EPM. And, you know, so Curry, you know, he has that type of season. And part of value is how well the team like that that basically the offense relies on him and so curry you know not incredible defensively but a lot of the great offensive players this year do not have strong defensive profiles yeah. so he, he is he is to me of all these high usage guards that are like really you know 30 percent usage to high 20s he's probably the best defensively of any of those guys honestly at the one or the two you know chris paul i, I would say is probably better than him but paul isn't quite as high usage as Steph. but uh, I, th- I think he 
he stays in front of guys he's gotten stronger he executes the system so the the eye test just doesn't match up with his really negative defensive numbers right now and then I would say just as a note that Luka Doncic and James Harden are on the periphery of this conversation close enough that they could easily get into it over the next couple months but I don't think their cases are as strong as everyone else to to I considered them but I didn't consider them as seriously as the others we've discussed yeah, well, and Curry, I mean, I, I would say Harden, Curry, and Doncic are, are pretty close to one another at this point in my mind. I mean, for all of Curry's brilliance, uh, and he's got a lot of dead weight offensively in that Warriors rotation uh, to lift up, and the offensive impact metrics love him. Part of that, though, is that just they are so bad when he's off the floor, though. The the emergence of uh, the next great Warriors superstar, Jordan Poole, recently uh, has changed that. Uh, but Curry, you know, it, pretty much all of these metrics... He's in the top five offensively, except uh, luck-adjusted offensive RPM. He's ninth, but also 112 offensive rating when he's on the floor. That's And granted, it's like 100 when he sits. You know, he has one of the better on-off offensive differentials in the NBA. But you're still just, like, the idea that no matter who you put around Steph Curry, they're, you're going to have a top-flight offense, that a top-10 offense. They're not even at that level when, when he's on the floor. So I, I think that hurts his case a little bit. And hard, I mean, I think we should spend a little more time on him, Damian just because you know he's just been getting some buzz i think people will be wondering like why with the nets playing so well having won 14 out of 15 at one point like why and you know a lot of that was with Kyrie missing time and kd's been out that whole time like how could james harden not be uh, one of the primary candidates well a, a part of it is that it's the whole season not just the last the last little bit he yes. pretty pretty overtly tanked and while that is becoming a smaller part the houston tenure is a smaller part of the james harden sample it is still a part of it and it's not like he was terrible statistically as a rocket but there were there, you know you could see other stuff and he's been better as a net um but i think there's also like you you looked into this a little bit in terms of the the luck adjusted stuff doesn't look as rosy yeah i, I mean it's if you just look at the overall impact metrics for the season I mean, you don't he doesn't really have a statistical case maybe you could say he does to get in the top he actually hasn't been as efficient at times this year that's been reducing down he hasn't scored as much obviously he's been one of the best distributors in the nba to be sure he's probably gonna win the assist title this year but uh overall in luck adjusted rapm he is 96th in the nba he is fifth in offensive rpm the defensive numbers are, are pretty negative uh but he also only has a plus 3.0 net rating on the season i mean that's just not really good over in the overall raptor he's 18th fifth in offensive raptor so there really isn't any any of these impact metrics that are putting him in the top five even offensively or, or be above the top five offensively above fifth maybe we'll say it that way and obviously he's not contributing a ton with his defense you know the nets are 23rd overall uh, in defense and they probably defended better than expected given their personnel but he's still a big part of why they just they have to switch everything and you know we, we've talked about that many a time uh, with you said now one feather in harden's cap and part of why the Nets have won so many games is that he's having an awesome clutch season. 78% true shooting, 36% usage, plus 17 net rating in the clutch. So he's having his best clutch season. He's not quite at the level of Lillard, but it's pretty close. And so th that is something to keep an eye on, but he's not close enough statistically to some of the other guys when you consider the Houston tenure, uh, obviously, which counts. And, you know, he missed a bunch of games with Houston as well. And so, and, and I mean, he was 
about as negative as you can be for the value uh, uh, over those you know whatever that was 10 games first 10 games of the season uh so that's why he's not in there with me and Doncic same thing I mean just you know net rating when he's on the floor like about plus four he's actually a little bit lower now than in terms of his offensive rating when he's on the floor than some of these other guys in the 117 range some of these other guys are you know 119 120 and uh he's 20th in offensive rpm fourth in offensive raptor sixth in luck adjusted offensive rpm so you know certainly a viable candidate maybe for the end of the ballot uh but and 59 percent true shooting that's only slightly above league average that's uh, maybe i think the lowest of anyone in this group uh in terms of his own individual efficiency if he continues shooting the three the way he is again the way you said danny he he could get into it but you know, i think Doncic, curry and harden are all just a little bit in a second tier uh for me man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas i'm gonna be freezing but the american giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us okay so how did so we we've pretty much set up the set up the universe and we've also clarified that for both of us the line between these players is insanely faint like i mean to the point where yeah you could argue basically i i think pretty much one through six or seven you could go in about any order and i wouldn't fight you too hard what did you end up going with so the two tiebreakers for me ended up being just who I think is better. I think that's a fair tiebreaker to have, especially when it's when it's this close. And then the other one was a clutch performance, just in, in terms of like the actual, because we're, we're talking about putting wins on the table here in the end. And so number one was still LeBron James for me. I assume after this high ankle sprain, depending on how much time he misses, I will have a different answer the next time we do this. Uh, but for right now, it's LeBron. I think he reestablished himself as the Lakers kind of got it back together after the break. And it, we talked about his defense. Uh, and you know, I, I think he's, this doesn't have anything to do with like, oh, we got to make up for all these MVPs that he missed. He, I don't think there are any MVPs he didn't get that he should have gotten, frankly, uh, if you really go back through it. But he's clearly the best player out of these guys. And that's where I ended up uh, sticking with him. But uh, again, could easily have a, another answer next time. I had LeBron number two, and there is a great case for him. I just, something that has resonated with me is that I think, especially in the offensive environment that we have, 
have. I thought that a lot of the offensive cases were not the same, but were similar. And so I ended up going with the player that I believe has been the best defensive player of all of these players, and that is Giannis. So I had Giannis number one. And oh, baby. It is not, again, it's really close. And I think. Wait, wait, I, you think he's been better than Embiid defensively? Yes, I do. Because I think a lot of what you like to some of the. So there are two things. One is the surrounding talent. Like, so I I don't want to get all the way into this. This was a defensive player of the year. I have all this stuff in there. Um, But yeah, I do. When you consider the surrounding talent and when you look at. When I, I did some digging, I've done this before on like, what are the Bucks doing better and worse than last year? A lot of yeah. that is the non Giannis stuff is, is going worse. And so, like, yeah opponents are hitting more threes but they're still not getting shots around the basket they're still not getting fouled they're still grabbing all these defensive rebounds and yes that's Lopez too but especially when you consider the Giannis on Lopez off minutes which is a big part of I'm not putting Giannis number one for defense player of the year but I have him high is that those minutes have been great too and when you consider the time that Drew Holiday has missed and a lot of these other things like there are not nearly as many good defenders on the Bucks as there as there were before and so I think that it is insanely close and I mean and again like I, I've mentioned this before my, my permitted MVP is fourth but I think that I think that Giannis is you know he's played a lot and the clutch thing sure that that does have some value but the Bucks have been an incredible team they haven't you know they haven't had to battle with the close stuff because they've been they have a plus 6.8 clean glass net rating and Giannis is unquestionably their best player yeah I just for watching Giannis for the first couple months of the year I just didn't think he was having the same impact I think that's starting oh I agree like now, this is he has a weaker case this year than last year it's just that to me nobody has a nobody like nobody else has reached that level either all right well uh, i have him sixth that's fine <laughs> i guess i guess we are uh we're really fulfilling this that that it could be anyone um yeah so so i i have him sixth um damian lillard is my number two because if you i i the way i kind of thought about it is his overall numbers on the season are excellent i mean i think they're about as good as anybody 63 percent true shooting 31 points a game but then you look at the fact that the blazers are 25 and 16 with basically a neutral point differential so he's basically won them five games with his like they're not winning these games because of like what someone else is doing in the clutch uh, like i i you can almost credit those games uh to him i mean not exclusively obviously but that it's just been such an insane clutch season this is just beyond basically anything that we've seen well, and when you add the degree of difficulty i mean so i have lillard third yeah. right behind lebron so we're kind of in some ways in line other than Giannis. and yeah lillard to me he's been the best offensive player in the league this year and especially when you calibrate for the degree of difficulty now it is true that they've played canter more with lillard which i think has partially nuked lillard's defensive numbers and that has made life to an extent easier offensively but he's had a lot more to do cj mccollum's only played 16 games and they have all of these dependent players and Lillard has done a great job keeping all those guys moving and keeping and at points in the year Robert Covington couldn't hit any stuff early Derek Jones Jr. has had his limitations I mean Melo is different but Melo primarily comes off the bench and so yeah I, I was torn between a few guys but I think Lillard has been the most valuable offensive player especially when you factor in the clutch and while you know Jokic plays a more valuable defensive position it's not like he's playing it particularly well defensively so Lillard Lillard got that got kind of that same spot for me okay so he he was third my third is Kawhi Leonard sure. still I, I think he's been woefully underrated the Clippers just kind of have this negative buzz around them and it's like everyone feels like they should be better well you know they're still like kind of on pace to do what they're supposed to do they've had these clutch meltdowns I, I think that's hurt him uh, I think he he was my number two last time he actually I think has gotten slightly more efficient over the last 40 days or so since uh, we last did this but I still think he provides more defensive value 
than Jokic. I mean, I don't think that the Clippers have like some unbelievable offensive team around him other than Paul George. I remember the last time you and I talked and you you were kind of giving more of the credit to Paul George than Kawhi. And Paul George is, is having a Well, a no, I was giving season. more of the credit to Paul George than you were. Um, well, well, I, well, okay. Yeah, I guess uh, compared to me, you're you're saying, you know, the Clippers, part of why their offense is so good is, is George. And I was probably not counting that enough, I think was kind of your yes, argument, if, if, I, if I remember. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's been maybe not quite as good on offense as Nikola Jokic but I think he has been better defensively and I also just think Kawhi Leonard is overall a better player yes I'm aware of what happened when they matched up last year Nikola Jokic did outplay him uh but I I do give a little bit of that tie and I mean we're gonna do top 10 players in the NBA probably in I'm guessing like a month or so that's gonna be completely impossible so uh he's my number three who is your number four Joel Embiid and Embiid is my per minute MVP I think that he has been the most he's been the most impactful the offensive and defensive arguments you know that that the role that he has but he has played significantly less and I'm totally fine using minutes played as an argument to push and be down to the bottom of this tier I just didn't feel right having the player that I think has been the most valuable per minute when it's in the same ballpark even if it's not like in the you know right there I I felt bad having him any I could didn't feel comfortable having him any lower than no he's been awesome and if he had just played a few more minutes you know, so I, I I had him I had him fifth and Jokic fourth, and Jokic has played fourteen hundred and seventy minutes coming into today, and Embiid has played a thousand ten, and so that's just you know almost fifty percent more minutes when you're splitting hairs between them statistically. I think that's you know I agree. Joel Embiid has been better. I value his defense much more. You know, I, I think you'd be Jokic is better offensively, but I wouldn't say significantly better offensively than Embiid, and then obviously Embiid provides a, a lot lot more defensive value as well so but just I mean again that's Embiid's really the only guy in this analysis who got hurt by the minute totals won't be the last sadly <laughs> um but well in MVP there's someone else that got hurt no I'm saying in future iterations oh yeah yeah oh because because he's been hurt and so is LeBron yeah. yeah um so so he was fifth for me uh and I, yeah I think he has a pretty good case for being the per minute MVP as well but if you don't play as many minutes it's also easier to be good uh sure so and part of that's due to injury part of it's just to not playing as many minutes and, during games and, and i so, had uh yeah so guys, sorry, sorry my fifth is Kawhi. so we already we okay. already talked about the argument um and so yeah yeah so yana and i had yana six and then i had a little bit of a tier below that going down to curry Doncic, uh, and harden ah Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. 
and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. That was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but it did cover so, uh, a large portion of our All-NBA. Yeah, we'll see. I, the, the bottom of All-NBA is going to be very interesting. So let's uh, let's get to first-team All-NBA here. And yeah, this is this is actually going to be pretty fascinating. I guess based on, on the way we're doing MVP, we're going to have some uh, some disagreements here. Sure. And I, more, more brazenly than Nate, I consider these criteria very differently. I consider All-NBA to be most out- outstanding with only with playing time mattering primarily just as a calibrator so like if you if you haven't played enough so that it's a small sample size and you think it's bs like relative to the whole season i won't seriously consider you but if you have played enough to meet my threshold i don't care if you've played 23 games or you've played 39 games like if you're good enough i'm gonna put you where you go um and that so and that also means like so we were just talking about Embiid versus Jokic that of course plays a big factor um do you want to do this a lot of times we do this kind of by positional grouping it's easier than to go first team second team third team do you want to do it that way yeah let's let's save the guards for last i actually had a pretty easy time getting to the forwards and getting to the centers um but why don't we start with center that's probably the easiest Jokic is ahead of Embiid uh, for me uh again you know very close splitting hairs but has played so much more i'm I'm okay using that as a tiebreaker when it's so many more minutes uh, at this point although like you i mean i try to i'm I'm not going to use minutes to bump a guy out of a much lower tier unless you know the guy hasn't just met kind of whatever our internal threshold yeah like for example like I had CJ McCollum last time because he got hurt pretty close to the awards. He is not considered this time. Yeah, I mean, I've got the kind of the Potter Stewart. I know, I know it when I see it. As far as not having played enough, so Jokic is my first team center, and Bead is second. Is that what you had as well? I have Embiid one, Jokic two. Same idea. Playing time doesn't matter. It's most outstanding, not most valuable. Okay, and then uh, third team center Rudy Gobert. I didn't really see anyone else who's like close. Nope. in this analysis no i mean gobert immensely valuable defensively and then a positive offensively and nobody else really has that true double that isn't that isn't above him uh yeah apologies to clint capella bam out of bio miles turner and nikola vucevic on that one but none of them were particularly close gobert still uh has has been awesome even as the jazz fortunes have waned a little bit i'm guessing we'll have the same top three guys as far as our forwards but mm-hmm. uh, perhaps in different order. Who is your? Who are your two first team forwards? My top two guys in MVP: Giannis and LeBron. Order doesn't really matter. Okay, and I had Kawhi over Giannis uh, on the first team, so LeBron and Kawhi, and then I had Giannis uh, as one of my second team forwards. Who is your other second team forward? Along the lines of what I just said, in terms of it's how well you play as long as you played enough. Kevin Durant. I think he has been he has been the maybe not even the fourth best forward, but probably the fourth best forward. So he gets that spot. Yeah. To me, he hasn't played enough. Uh, He's at basically, when you've played less than half the minutes of someone who's kind of played what I consider to be a full season, uh, I had to, I took him out of consideration for all NBA entirely. Obviously, if he, if he were still playing, if we were talking about quality, uh, he would be in there. But uh, I went with Paul George and said, "Oh, uh, so you moved him to the forward line after last time, and I moved him to the guard line <laughs> this time." Well, yeah, I mean, because it 
I that's where I I felt I I could fit him in better. Um, and he deserved to be on the second. I didn't really see any other forward candidates who were anywhere close. To, oh, so, and that to explains why you done. had a harder time with the guards because you because that that swap that swap made it easier for you in the forward. Yeah. So I mean, we could just go through George right up there in the top ten in most of these offensive impact metrics. His shooting has fallen off slightly, but still sixty three percent true shooting, twenty three points a game, solid defensively. He's also hurt a little bit by the minutes, uh, only a thousand sixty six minutes. But it's still close enough to playing a, a full season that, uh, and, you know, he's been really good. He's another one of these guys, 120-ish offensive rating when he's on the floor. It's definitely looked really good for the Clippers still with George and Kawhi, although that's not as good over the past month or so. But uh, for the overall season, which is what we're talking about, uh, yeah, and I just didn't think that there were any other forward candidates that were that were any, uh, at all close to him. No, th- there weren't. And, I mean, we were already lamenting that, that Anthony Davis just, because the Lakers aren't asking him to he's not having as impactful a regular season and that's fine I mean we know what they asked him to do in the playoffs last year and I would rather have that AD in the playoffs than in the regular season if it had to be a choice I still you know it's kind of like the idea of how where I had Embiid fourth because it couldn't put him any lower morally like Anthony Davis is on my third third team forward line yeah, again, I thought Davis is pretty much right on the cutoff of not having played enough. 755 minutes, also just not really a very efficient season, although the Lakers were very good offensively when he was on the floor, 115 offensive rating, but uh, 59% true shooting. And yeah, he was uh, my second for defensive player of the year before, but uh, the last time we did this in February, but he basically hasn't been able to play since then. And especially also like if you have also if you've you're right on the borderline of not having played enough and then you're still out indefinitely for a while after this then that sort of that, that can kind of make me think all right it's we're uh, uh I, I so i i did not consider him i did not consider kd i think they've just missed it too much time so you had him as a third team forward who is your other third team forward i considered a lot of players for this last spot the ones i most seriously considered were uh zion williamson chris middleton jason tatum and uh jimmy butler got the spot again remember it's for me it's most outstanding not most valuable butler's missed some time but he also plays a big role within Miami's offense and defense. I think that the team has looked much more like themselves, notwithstanding this set loss to the to the Pacers though I mean Butler was a part of that um and so I, I just thought that you know going through all those guys and and their and their resumes which I don't think we need to work through the whole thing like we did for MVP I just thought he had the best overall case yeah I had Butler as well he was uh, he's played uh like 920 minutes or so which is not that much less than Joel Embiid it's like within 100 minutes uh, of Joel Embiid and he also like he's been so good that it's just hard to deny him and he's top 10 in just about all the, these impact metrics uh, as well Miami just uh, is not being able to get anything going offensively when it, when he hasn't played so uh yeah he was one of mine and then my other one uh, again keep in mind that KD and AD were not really part of this for me because they haven't played enough uh was Ian Williamson and I thought that was actually I thought he was clearly better than some of the other candidates I had you know the Jalen Brown Jason Tatum like Tatum missed a bunch of time hasn't really been efficient I know part of that's uh, because he's struggling with covid but you know this is uh it's especially now that we're this late in the season it's hard to well and also like you can't count on fairness like that's just that's just not the way it works 
Yeah, so Jalen Braun as well, he's really fallen down to 58% true shooting. That's basically league average at this point. A lot of his hot shooting has dissipated. Brandon Ingram, you know, obviously Zion is better than Brandon Ingram. I think anyone watching the Pels would tell you that. Tobias Harris might be a, a little bit a part of this. He's, he's actually been awesome in the clutch this year, but still just nowhere to the level of Zion where Pelicans don't really have a lot of offensive talent outside of him. I would say like their shooting is is pretty compromised he plays with another big who can't shoot a, a lot of the time but 115 offense rating when he's on the floor and particularly the trajectory that he's been on since the first three weeks or so of the season where now he's distributing more as well he's becoming one of the best offensive forces in the league and his defense is at least not just like so awful anymore so I, I think he's just a tier ahead to me of some of these other guys Chris Middleton actually is uh, fallen down in terms of efficiency he's down a 60% true shooting only 24% usage and I think he's just kind of an ad uh, or uh he's just kind of an average defender um and one other guy well so you want to react to to Zion as the pick I guess he he wasn't part concerned for you because you oh no had... he was he was my he was my next runner-up Okay. All right. So, so yeah. So if you, with AD, if AD and Durant weren't in it for you due to the minutes, then you would have picked Zion, you think? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was, yeah. Zion was my next, was my next guy. I considered basically all the guys you were working through, but I thought that especially yeah. like the, the centrality that Zion is slowly is gaining within their offense. Like that is, that is a feather in his cap that these other guys don't have. And I think that's a big part of the argument. I got asked this in the uh, discord chat about like Tobias Harris and all stuff. So I'm like, he's not central to their success. And I think that matters. Um, in 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 these in these situations, and you know you can have two stars and everything else, but like Tobias Harris, he hasn't been the straw that stirs the drink when Embiid has been out. Like those minutes have actually been pretty bad offensively, but he has had that nice clutch play. So I considered him, but I didn't think at the same same level. Um, so for guards, I think well, was... okay, I have one more Ford I want to talk about briefly, oh, okay. and I think of him really as more of a Ford because he plays with Seth Curry and Danny Green. They'll put Shake Milton in a lot of the time. Cork Maz like he's usually you know the third biggest guy out there whether Ben Simmons is a guard or forward ultimately doesn't matter that much he wouldn't have made it in either but I I think it's just important to talk about him because he's not you know Doc Rivers is pumping him up for defensive player of the year uh which (laughs) that that'll the the lobbying is getting like completely out of control at this point in time uh I think just because now that there's social media and people know that they can say something that's going to like get national exposure they're pushing that stuff even more lebron is the absolute master of that he even gets guys on his team to lobby for him Uh, but ben simmons i think we can keep an eye on him but you just there's no statistical argument that he's one of the top 15 players in the nba if you look at all the impact metrics he's not he doesn't show up on any of these lists anywhere close to there he also again this isn't something that's a massive component of this but he only has has a 13 percent usage in the clutch and then when ben simmons is on the floor and joel Embiid is off the floor the sixers have a negative 6.8 net rating and a 106.7 offensive rating which is just about worst offense in the league and and remember that's not all like ben simmons and backups versus other stuff like Embiid has missed enough games now that that's starting lineups too right so 
a very valuable player i actually didn't have him making the all-star team this year either but that's why you just can't construct a statistical argument and for this defensive player of the year stuff again he's a very good defender very useful defender on the perimeter you know one of the better guys we got asked in locker room i think it was of you know who are the best point of attack defenders and he was one of the guys that i would point to along with marcus smart as a guy to put on someone getting over screens and whatnot but those guys just don't have the same impact as a big man at least during the regular season so uh he should not be in the defensive player of the year conversation he won't be and you know shouldn't be in the all nba conversation to me either but he probably will be as he will be in the defensive player of the year conversation but not not for us uh, at least um quick aside though uh <laughs> tim mcmahon tweeted out i forget what the initial quote was some lobbying by something and tim was like yeah can we have a days without anybody mvp lobbying counter and i was like well tim why don't you just have a days without a podcast talking about mvp kind of because they talk about that like every other episode on windhorse podcast and then two days later as i started prepping for this i was like damn it we're about to talk about mvp (laughs) reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil so for the guard line, I, I think there's a there's a pretty clear separation between the top four and everyone else and really arguing where the line is between. So I went with Lillard and Curry on first team, Harden and Luka on second team. But between, I mean, Lillard, I think probably should be first. But really beyond that, it's those the next three guys. I, I'm not going to fight too hard on it. Yeah, I had Harden on the first team as well. Some of the clutch stuff maybe bumps him up there a little bit. Uh, Lillard was the obvious one to me. Uh, but again, yeah, that you're splitting hairs between Luka, Curry, and Harden, as we talked about already. So now we get to the bane of our existence on these third team All-NBA guards. I had one spot that was easy because Paul George to me is above everybody else. And so sure. since I had him on the guard line, that meant I only had to agonize over one spot instead of two. That that actually might be harder, though. In, in certain ways, it was. Um, so the group that Should I considered... Should we say the universe of candidates? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly where I was going to go. In no particular order, the ones that I most seriously considered, Mike Conley... Kyrie Irving, Chris Paul, Zach Levine, and the person who I ended up going with as my for my sole spot was Trey Young. Yeah, Young made my team as well. Are we allowed to like Trey Young again? By the way, now that the the Hawks are are over five hundred and they've won eight straight, is that allowed? We we don't have to dislike him anymore. I mean, I think you're allowed to dislike him because his foul drawing style is annoying, but it also works. And yes, he is not maybe having the same impact as a score. In particular, his trademark floater has been off this year. That's been a problem. But the Hawks, 116 offensive rating when he's on the floor, 4.6 net rating overall, given uh, all the crazy injuries well, that they've had. Here, Here's the craziest one to me. Last year, this is the cleaning glass version. Trey Young, 99th percentile in on-off offensive rating difference. And they were 11.8 points per possession, per 100 possessions worse. This year, that's 11.1, even though their offense has been better, better than putrid when Young has been off the floor, because now they have a 117.6 offensive rating in clean the glass version when he's on the floor. So they're they're a really legit offense, and he is the primary creator. During those minutes, they've had to change around. Sometimes they've had secondaries. Sometimes they haven't, just depending on which Hawks have been available. But Trey Young, to me, he has a, he has a very large offensive role, and he has done extremely well at it even if it's not always the most fun to watch yeah trey young of uh, all these guys 
to go through them again Zach Levine I did have Jalen Braun in this a little bit I I know I had him as a forward last time uh, but he wasn't going to be close uh, on forwards uh Kyrie Irving Bradley Beal oh yeah I did Donovan Mitchell I considered him yeah Donovan Mitchell Devin Booker Chris Paul of those players other than maybe Chris Paul but I think even past Paul at this point Trey Young is the guy who sets up everything for his teammates he's the best distributor of that group I think he has the largest effect on his team's offense of that group and he's probably if not the best passer the most effective passer in that group so that's why I I had to go with him I just think and especially considering the talent that he's had around him for much uh, of this season and I mean the Hawks are now predicted by 538's Raptor to be fourth in the east and you know so this whole thing like oh he's not on a winning team of course this again puts into stark relief like how ridiculous his all-star snub was in compared to uh some other players so trey i think i probably would have had him above my second guy still have another guard slot though and to me uh donovan mitchell not really part of this for me only 55 percent true shooting i'm sorry like the he's and he's also been really bad in the clutch he's been over 40 percent usage and like 42 percent true shooting and i just don't think that he drives things for his team nearly as much he's there's so much that system is so good that if you put one of these other guys in that system i think that they would have probably have better numbers than donovan mitchell would levine the defense uh, was a a demerit the defense is not great for a lot of these guys also just uh, levine's turnovers the bulls clutch struggles as well in fourth quarters just couldn't couldn't quite get there to be for him to be in as well bradley beal hasn't the overall offense for the wizards just has not been that good this year i mean his his numbers are a little bit better but the wizards suck and they're not really that great when he's on the floor either and devin booker was probably my most difficult omission i mean the suns have a 118 offense rating with devin booker on the floor that's pretty awesome granted he'll play a lot with second units that have sharich at center and that helps but i mean that's still really really good that's the best number of anyone in this group but the suns are also a great three-point shooting team i ended up going going though let's see did i forget yeah and paul is the other one as well his individual statistics just were not quite there for me and the paul only minutes haven't been that amazing so far this year so i ended up with Kyrie irving as my last guy and the impact metrics just really really like what he's doing 12th in offensive rpm sixth in offensive raptor fourth in luck adjusted offensive rpm those numbers were just really better than in the aggregate than some of these other guys his individual statistics have been awesome as well 63 percent true shooting 28 points a game 30 percent usage and he's played enough minutes 1070 that he met the criteria here so uh sorry that was so long-winded a lot of candidates i mean you can re- you're really splitting hairs on these third team guards every year it, it seems like and that means we will have a lot of people angry, but that's okay. Yeah, why did we make this the public podcast? <laughs> because it's good to have it in the it's good to have it in the discourse. I mean, I think yeah. that's I think it's it's useful, especially especially since you and I don't have actual votes, we can affect people's minds this way. Um, where do you want to go next? There are a bunch of different awards that I consider around the same caliber. Uh, I think defensive player of the year, particularly because you teased a, a bunch of research that you did on that. I didn't do a bunch of research, but I did some. Uh, so Rudy Gobert's number one. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time discussing that just because it's, it's pretty apparent. Like I didn't, like he's in a tier by himself right now. Um, yeah, I think that's probably right. The jazz defense has not been good the last month or so but number one he was so awesome for the first two months and number two he just has so little defensive talent around him 
the other than Royce O'Neal, I mean, you're right, really like, struggling. He, he he is the system. Like the the way that yeah. the way that the Jazz are succeeding is basically make Rudy do it, and he's doing it, and that's intensely impressive. Yeah, I mean, worth noting, you know, he's down to fifty three percent a lot at the rim. That's not really quite in the top tier. Uh, for that's that's on shots that he actually challenges per the the tracking data. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to to make the Jazz be one of the elite defenses in the NBA, uh, you, you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment over the last month when they were so ridiculous before that. So yeah, he he was my number one as well. Who did you have as number two? Giannis Antetokounmpo, and it is. A lot of it is those Giannis on Brook Lopez off minutes. They're a 105 defensive rating in those. There's some shooting luck, but not a ton. And the most common lineup there is DJ Augustine, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis, and Giannis. Yes, Drew Holiday is a wonderful perimeter defender, and Middleton is at times underappreciated there. But think about what Giannis has to do in those lineups. And basically, they don't have Robin Lopez anymore. They don't have anything else. And the Brook Giannis minutes have been wonderful again. Not a, not a huge surprise. A little bit, teams are shooting a little bit better at the rim, but the general math is going right for the Bucks. There are a lot of players in this area. Like Giannis is not in a tier above everybody else there. I mean, I think we'll go through a bunch of the other candidates but this is the same idea of like who, who is the reason that things are going well and who is the reason that they're not going well and i i think that Giannis is the big driver of what is succeeding for the bucks and not a huge driver of the things that aren't succeeding yeah and i'll pretty much same thing as i was saying during the mvp you know i think Giannis was not at the right i shouldn't say the right level but at the same level that he's been at the the first month and a half two months or so and that's improving and maybe he will be in this but he, he was not in my top five or top three Number two for me is Miles Turner, best shot blocker in the NBA. The numbers uh, when he he's on the floor are really good. He's also really improved as a one-on-one defender this year. What he did against Jokic in that game where they matched up and Jokic did it end up scoring but when he tried to go at Turner one-on-one Turner I think blocked his shot like three or four times in that game and he's also improved as a switch defender only allows 48 percent shooting at the rim and there's just been so many games where he is completely walled off the paint including today actually against the heat in overtime and then my number three was Clint Capella Miles Turner obviously in the top five in all all of these defensive impact metrics by the way uh Clint Capella is my number three he is completely transformed the Hawks defense he is much improved as a conventional pick and roll defender from his Houston days where he really they had to kind of switch it in because he wasn't that great as a conventional pick and roll defender but he is number two in defensive RPM number one in defensive Raptor now it is worth noting that teams are shooting nine percent worse on mid-rangers with him on the floor and, which is and missing a lot to of watch. threes too uh they are it's like they're 1.5 percent worse from three with him on the floor no but but they're also the hawks opponents are fluky bad from three both both with oh yeah okay that's that's true that is one of the weaknesses of of cleaning the glass where it's it it gives you all these numbers relative to when he's on and off the floor and not the absolute numbers so i I use i use a different i use a different page for it for that reason which is bad for other things but kind of good for that um yeah but but opponents are also shooting five percent worse at the rim with him on the floor and he's also allowed only 49.7% shooting at the rim uh, on shots that he's challenged per uh, the tracking data. So, uh, and I mean, he, he's also kind of in the making chicken salad out of chicken shit when you look at the players that he's been able to play with uh, to be a really effective defense with him on the floor with John Collins and Trey and Kevin Herter. Not, DeAndre Hunter hasn't really been able to play that much. They don't really have any good options defending on the wing. Gallo, if he plays with him, although not as much. So, uh, 
Apologies to Joel Embiid, Jakob Pertl, who is number one in the NBA in luck-adjusted defensive RPM, and another one of these guys allowing low, uh, below 50% shooting at the rim, Giannis, and uh, Draymond Green. You just named my number three, Jakob Pertl. Draymond Green? No, Jakob Pertl. So Pertl, the the Spurs defense has been great when he's been on the floor. And remember, Pertl has shifted from being a backup to being a starter, and the Pertl, DeJounte Murray, Murray in particular, and, and a lot of that is that DeJounte in some of those stretches has just forced every turnover imaginable. Like, I don't give Pirtle a ton of credit for that, but the Spurs have defended well at the rim. They're not fouling. And remember that Pirtle, when he's in the starting lineup, they do have capable defenders, but they don't have forwards that are like high, you know, like, like I mean, Keldon Johnson is, is good, but like they're a lot of times DeMar DeRozan is the other forward. They've rebounded pretty well, like better than you'd expect with that sort of a small lineup. There are a lot of guys in this group. I mean, Turner and Capella, most notably. Um, but I, I just wanted to give Pirtle some credit for for that. He's also like, if you want to look at, so he's seventh in defensive RPM. He's, I think he's fifth in defensive estimated plus minus. And I wanted to just give a little, give a little credit to him because I don't think Pirtle, Pirtle's case has been as present. Not that everybody discusses defensive player of the year all the time, but I, I wanted to give him some, give him some credit. No, he certainly uh, deserves that and more mobile than people think as well. And he's getting yes. to the point where he is really difficult to score on at the rim. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We don't do most improved player until the end of the year just because you run into so many sample size issues with guys shooting and is it real it, and it is, is it not. It is also the single hardest thing to research. Not that that's why we don't do it, but because it's just a pain in the ass. Eh, it's like slightly part of why we do it. But it, it's more that it's just like, do we really want to put all this research in when the sample size is too small to really say, okay, this guy is really better. I mean, especially for like the first month or something. It's like, that's, that seems ridiculous. Yeah. But not ridiculous is uh, Coach of the Year. And I'm going to stick with my pick from last time, which was Quinn Snyder. I had Taylor Jenkins. I now have Quinn Snyder. He has done a fantastic job offensively and defensively with this Utah Jazz team. They have been the best team in the league and they haven't, you know, they, it hasn't been the strongest month for them, but they've still done well. They've, they're still ridiculously good overall. And I think a lot of that is coaching. My number two is somebody who was not included last time and who I think should get s some real consideration for actually winning the whole damn thing. And that is Greg Popovich. And the Spurs continue, like I, I would say that they like they continue to outperform their defensive personnel now they have improved their defensive personnel in the starting lineup over the course of the year by excising Lamarcus Aldridge and inserting Jakob Pertl who had just had third in defensive player of the year but when you consider the like just all of the different moving parts that they've had due to injuries and COVID and everything else and how you know you and I say coaches make more of a difference on defense than offense and I, I think that he has a strong case Quinn Snyder has been better but I Popovich has done a really good job this year so it's interesting. There are four coaches that I would look at in this analysis who have all really benefited from their teams outperforming their point differential. Uh, Popovich is one of those. James Borrego is another one. Mark Dagnall, uh, who, yes, they have been lucky, but even having, I think, to have a negative 6.3 net rating, given the personnel that they've been putting out there on a nightly basis, like they're winning games with like Shea not there. They beat Houston, which, I mean, that's a whole other story. But they are much more competitive than they, than they have a right to be. 
mean, you consider that they're 12th in defense somehow. Again, just playing all these guys who like never played NBA basketball before your Teo Maladon and your Isaiah Roby and your Pokus and uh that's pretty remarkable so Dagnall certainly deserves a a lot of credit and then Terry Stotts uh, as well Portland again uh, has been pretty lucky 25 and 16 with a neutral point differential uh so all all those guys how to treat them uh, I didn't end up putting any of those in my top three instead I went with Doc Rivers as number two uh particularly now what they've been doing with Embiid out uh, has been impressive uh, and doc is usually pretty good with these underman type of teams so he is my number two and uh monty williams is number three the suns not simply because they're two in the east or in the west he, he would deserve coach of the year if there were two in the east uh but i mean they're on pace to win 57 games over yeah. the course of an 82 game i mean that is that is way above where anyone thought Phoenix would this second unit that kills everyone with Sharich at center. He's really mixed and matched well. You know, he's he's had a good touch with when to use Aiton and when not to use him and building together units with this bench that yeah, they, he's got a lot of qualified pieces, but they've also had some some absences due to COVID and injury. And so I, I think he's been really good. He deserves a lot of credit. I just I really like the system that they run on both ends are creative. So uh he was my number three and Frank Vogel actually would have been my number four for the Lakers to have maintained their defense without Anthony Davis and Marcus all the way they have I think is is very impressive also and also just to keep in that media spotlight to keep everyone happy with the number of players they have who think they need minutes he's starting to get more out of Montrezl Harrell now uh so he would probably be number four if we had to go more than three which we don't money was my three Vogel was my four so not a whole lot there I will say no, that no love for Doc Rivers huh no I, I it, it is funny I so the Sixers are actually outperforming their point differential by more than the Spurs are um and I think that and and with Doc I I, I think part of it it's funny this happens with the two of us I thought more of Philadelphia's talent than you did originally so I think I give Doc less credit for how the team has performed that that happens that happens sometimes and maybe i guess maybe i thought a little bit less of the spurs but anyway i think that's yeah. i think we're all in there i, I will mention because i'm sure he will get consideration i also considered tom thibodeau for this the the knicks are yeah you know what this is this is ridiculous that i didn't even have him in there that, yeah that's i know I, I i seriously considered uh tibbs he's i guess you would maybe argue that he and dagnall were kind of like fifth where it's like i want to see more and they could easily work their way into the top three if not if yeah. not win it and the knicks I, I mean are for the knicks to be yeah the, the way they're defending granted yeah. due to some shooting luck but uh but no also still. like Jer- jared dub and i talked about this a lot on real jam radio like a month and a half ago and it's like even if you regress their shooting luck to the mean this is still at least a league average and probably better than that defense that's fantastic like yeah it's true that they've, they've been getting 48 good minutes at center when both Nerlens and mitch robinson then and then taj has done well when he's been out there but they're generally playing some pretty small guards some of them can defend and a lot of young guys so yeah i think tibbs has done a has done a very good job yeah and getting what he's gotten out of julius randall offensively while the knicks are not a good offense or even an average offense i thought they would be among the worst in the league and putting the ball in randall's hand letting him be a, a playmaker giving him the license to bomb it from outside as well he's gotten a lot of him rj barrett has taken strides under thibodeau as well so certainly deserves a, a lot of credit rookie of the year and I, I guess we just have to start with the sad news that the guy who's going to be both our number one lamel ball may be out for the rest of the year with a broken wrist we'll get more information on that for sure but it's that's feared he's basically hoping to get a second opinion that says he's not doesn't have to have surgery that's going to end it but it sounds like it's like right at the base of the thumb where there's a a, not very much blood supply so it's probably gonna have to be surgery and i mean we're two months 
almost exactly left in the season right now and those wrist surgeries they just take a long time to heal you know we've seen Yusuf Nurkic for example it's been out for a while so that is a real real bummer he was playing so well uh so I mean I guess we should talk but maybe we'll save we'll save that for tomorrow I guess both the what's uh since we're running a little short on time here of what these injuries mean for the Hornets and the Lakers with the LeBron high ankle sprain uh but I, I mean to me the more interesting question Danny is will LaMelo Ball be our pick for rookie of the year at the end of the season even only having played you know 60 percent of the year yes it would be I mean, very 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 surprising to see somebody put up to to do better and remember it's not most valuable rookie it's rookie of the year and this goes back to you know we had this argument about Joel Embiid and Malcolm Brogdon back in the day and LaMelo has been spectacular I mean I think that that it's he's having a he's having a very a strong rookie of the year case so that it's not even like the you know it's sort of in some ways maybe like the Ja Morant Zion thing except that we don't know who that Zion Williamson's gonna be maybe it ends up being Anthony Edwards but we'll have to see but he played he just wasn't as good then but LaMelo just some of the basic stuff 56% true shooting 25% usage uh 7.7 assists per 36 minutes if you want to go per 100 it's over 10 which is fantastic the Hornets are running so much more when he was been on the floor which has been part of what's made them league pass dynamite so far this year and he is a he has been a a unquestionable positive player as a rookie as a 19 year old rookie it is beyond impressive yeah shooting 38 percent from three leading rookies in PR and he's on a good team he's like winning games for them in the clutch at times and he's been important to their success as a winning team and I mean, you really I don't know if there's any other rookie you can even really say that about honestly it, you know unless you're it's certainly not one who's playing as large of a role as he is you know if you're going to get down to like Devin Vassell coming off the bench or something like that uh, but it's uh yeah he's he's been really good and I mean so of course when I tweeted out that I thought LaMelo Ball would be my pick for rookie of the year anyway unless Halliburton goes crazy he's still my number two and of course Wolves fans went crazy like oh you know you're so biased against Anthony Edwards blah blah well and Edwards I mean he had that 40 point game I was tweeting about that last week he looked really good like his first step he was blown by guys the, the jumper I still have some concerns about the shot selection I have some concerns about but you saw some really nice flashes with him and Carl Anthony Towns he's had some good games lately of course you know no one was talking about the game he was four or 14 afterwards right like that's how it works for rookies people only remember the good games but if you look at the overall and anthony edwards isn't in my top three and it's not even close 27 percent usage 48 percent true shooting and among the high minute rookies he's basically in the bottom two three four in all of the impact metrics and that's among rookies we're not even talking about so he's been one of the most damaging players in the nba and it would take so much to overcome that over the remaining 40 percent of the season and to even get to being a neutral player over the course of the season and Lamelo ball has contributed far more to wins for the hornets than anthony edwards will uh, over a full season for the wolves when you're a negative player playing more doesn't doesn't give you credit right yeah it's one of our it's one of our big disagreements with the way sometimes rookie of the year has been voted on and all rookie teams as well is that it's the a lot of that is about opportunity not about what you do with it and like a big part of this that i think will get lost in it is lamella ball has been way better than than a lot of these guys especially anthony edwards on defense 
And that was a big surprise. We didn't know how Lamel was going to work out. I think that it's not like he's a stud on that end, but he has been far better than anticipated. Better better defensive rebounder, but better overall not making as many mistakes. Not a defensive playmaker, but a steady defensive player. Yeah, so I expect that Edwards is going to play better over the course of the year, Sure, but he just has so much to, to make up for. And yes, I do use who I think will be the better overall prospect as a tiebreaker, but there will not be a tie to break here. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, number two still for me. Low scoring usage pretty high assist rate but he has been very efficient as a scorer and a capable team defender and in and some of their best lineups for the Kings. yeah and that is dropping off a, a little bit some of his defensive numbers uh, are not great either in the on-off still shooting 41 percent from downtown uh, but down to 59 percent true shooting was well over 60 percent earlier uh and it doesn't help that he has to basically play the three a, a lot for this team and he's playing next to buddy healed and uh De'Aaron fox still have emmanuel quickly at number three in this second in pr a little bit less than league average in true shooting but he, he was having a rough go of it and it's turned that he gets to the foul line a lot and he shoots 90 percent from there and he's he can get into the ball defensively but i mean he's probably actually the second guy other than ball that you could say is actually contributing positively in a large role for a good team among this rookie class yeah and then the guy that i have fourth not that we're really ranking beyond here would be jay sean tate who is doing it in a smaller role but i I've loved his defense. I mean, I, I, somebody who whose game I was not familiar with, go, though he has, of course, a lot of six, had success in Australia and, and elsewhere before this. Yeah. Entire, a lot of time in college, but he's been he's been very impressive, albeit for a team that has been less impressive over the last little while. Yeah, I mean, his his inability to shoot is a problem. My fourth actually would be Isaiah Stewart, uh, whose defense uh, we highlighted in a fifteen and sixty a couple of weeks ago. The eye test looks good for him. The numbers look really good for him. He has the, the best, for example, among rookies, uh, is the best Raptor by far. Uh, really good uh, on defense, which is just one thing in both the box score component of Raptor and the on-off component of Raptor. So keep an eye on him. He could break into the top three here. He's not the same level of prospect as some of these guys, but he's something to watch out for. I think he's going to be a quality defensive center for a long time. I mean, to be doing what he's doing as a defensive center at 19 is pretty impressive. And for for those wondering about James Wiseman, if he he obviously hasn't played that much, he's had a number of absences. He's out now for a, another COVID quarantine. Not his own fault this time. His assistant coach uh, that got him into that, but he's uh, Wiseman is 15th and Edwards is 16th out of the 18 qualifying rookies in Raptor. So that's pretty bad. Wiseman is one of the worst offensive players in the NBA according to Raptor, and I, I think that overstates the damage that he does a, a little bit. But you know, he, somehow Wiseman is below average average true shooting considering but he you know in theory should just be dunking it all the time so uh a, a lot of fluff to fill out in his game still uh and you know neither of those guys are, are really close to getting into this wiseman or edwards at this point in time best sophomore zion that's easy number two john morant number three michael porter jr and probably would still be deandre hunter if he had played enough but he's been out for so long now um RJ Barrett is coming on and if he keeps playing as well as he has the last month he probably would maybe move into that spot and supplant Porter he's gotten much better defensively he's shooting much better from three mostly on spot up looks at this point in time not a huge volume but at least he's making them uh free throw shooting is much much better as well that's really encouraging and uh Kelton Johnson would also be in this discussion along with Lou Dort but I, th- I think the top three is pretty clear to me at this point did you have see it the same way I did sixth man of the year this is the one where I think you and 
and I most often diverge from conventional wisdom? It is because we we're not as much of the yay points variety and we value, you know, especially players who can contribute defensively, who have large roles within their team's success. Ideally, if they can do it sometimes as a member of the closing five as well. My number one is I believe who you had number one last time, and that is Thaddeus Young. He, you know, he is a key to the Bulls best lineups and also like 6.3 assists per 36 minutes is, is really impressive. Young has also become, he's kind of in some ways embraced his limitations and he's been an efficient scorer as well yeah he's doing it more on as an offensive player really than defensively because as a small ball center with the guys they have around him he's not really able to switch which would probably be his best role he he doesn't protect the rim when guys actually get there you know opponents are shooting like 70 percent against him at the rim but yeah i mean to have a 6.2 net rating which is about what it was last time on this bulls team he's been starting recently at center plus 4.3 in raptor that's uh, about the best of this six-man group as well somehow he's averaging 11 percent offensive rebounds and i think he's probably the best defensive player uh, of the group uh, that i considered so yeah he was my number one as well and my number two was a member of the utah jazz but not the member of the utah jazz that you may be thinking of i think it's the member that i'm thinking of because joe ingles is my number two is it the guy who is on pace to set the nba record for true shooting right now that guy joe ingles Seven- 72 percent true shooting it is only on 16 16 usage and he's assisting has a and part of also what i think makes a good argument for ingles over clarkson and some of the other guys is that i would say he's a value add on defense and you know not yeah like, I, I don't know about that i think he's kind of average at this point in time i think he's slowed down a little bit there yeah but, but average uh, like average for a for a, for a wing coming off the bench i think that's a value add like there aren't that who can yeah. play it like it it help i think he helps the jazz uh yeah so i had jordan clark at number two last time he's my number three now he's looking pretty good in raptor as well ingles by the way is a 9.3 net rating which is pretty good and he's right up there in the impact metrics with some of the, a lot of these guys are kind of around three plus three uh, in 538's raptor uh clarkson a little bit of a demerit for only being league average and true shooting percentage he leads the nba in usage off the bench among guys who played over 20 minutes per game at a uh, 28.6 usage there's actually surprisingly only three guys over 25 five usage would you try care to try to guess who those are neither of them uh, one of them is usually in consideration of this award but probably not this year and another one is uh has not been in consideration well could you repeat the question of who the other guys off the bench besides jordan clarkson are who have a usage over 25 there's two of them that played more than 20 minutes a game one one of them is a frequent name in the six-man covers hmm. a lot of me wants to say jordan Poole, but he obviously hasn't played enough uh-huh. i'm drawing a blank uh, Lou Williams is one. Sure. And the other one was a top five pick in the 2017 draft. Seven. I shouldn't pull these on you this late at night, should I? Probably not. <laughs> Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. Yeah, he has had a he, big role with he, with the Pistons when he's on the floor. Yeah, he just, uh, the guy likes to shoot the ball. <laughs> <laughs> he, he always has. Going back um, to when I saw him at Prolific Prep. I will say my third, um, I, I had Clarkson in consideration, but my third was Montrez Harrell. In no small part because the Lakers have been better defensively when Harrell's been on the floor, including when Harrell's been on and 80s been out, which of course happened more frequently recently. They've, they've done well, and I, it's a team effort, and there is some shooting luck there, but I think Harrell's done a, he's done a nice job. 
Yeah, he's come on. He's definitely been very efficient. Not as much of an offensive role as he's had in the past, but that's probably going to change. But yeah, he was definitely in consideration for me. uh, But uh, I still, you know, the fact that he's not really ever closing games is a little bit of a concern to me. That's a demerit for Clarkson as well. I mean, I think Thaddeus Young to me has has the largest role of any of these guys. Um, LaMelo would have been in this, but he actually, coming into today, had started 21 of 41 games. So was, was therefore ineligible and Dario Sharch I was stunned to see that Dario Sharch has only played 423 minutes although I think given how awesome the Suns have been with him out there and the fact that he's closed some games too he has the possibility to get into this conversation who was your number three was was Harold right Harold okay uh all right we're getting close to the end here let's go for executive of the year still Sam Presti for me I eat the maneuvering that Oklahoma City did where they they were able to get so much value a lot of it out of being a facilitator some of it by trading players that I could actually help and and a, a big part of what Presti has done so well even and it's fun to do this specific award right before the trade deadline because it could move because remember it's executive of the year not executive of the offseason um is that they he was able to get players at in these in some of these moves like Kelly Oubre is a good example who or Trevor Reza who were interesting to other teams on their own merits so it wasn't just take yeah. on shitty salary x in the first move and then you're just done it was able to to arbitrage and reflip and everything else and that is that is truly impressive to build up their war chest is really impressive and Hiring looks, like, Mark he, looks yeah. like he hired a good coach yeah so that that was all that was all a big part of it for me presty won rafael stone is still two i thought that he got an absolute haul for james harden i still like the job that steven silas has done overall it's but, been yeah it's been a challenging time actually by virtue of their loss to Today to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I tried to do the historical thing, and it seems like this might be something like the second or third time in the history of Dunked On that a team has lost every single game between two awards podcasts. Um, which is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, they're on the now tied for the eighth longest losing streak in NBA history. Um, but Stone did a really nice job, you know, getting value. I thought that they got a little bit less in the PJ Tucker trade, but and, and they saved money and did all these other things. So I thought that, that Stone was my two. And well, my well also for Stone, I, I had him fourth, but uh, yeah, did a good job with Harden. Good job with Westbrook. Yes. As well. But also setting up the stealth tank, mm-hmm. the top four protected pick. I mean, nobody thought they would be in the, that level. Signing Christian Wood obviously was was a good signing. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people are like, what the hell? Like, why didn't they get Karis LeVert instead of Victor Oladipo? Like we said at the time, Karis LeVert just doesn't really do you any good for where Houston is. They're in a rebuild right now. Getting a 27-year-old with two years left on his contract, making $18 million, didn't really help much. And Oladipo, maybe he could have, he was a flyer. Uh, and, I mean, they're going to end up trading him. Who knows? We'll see what they end up trading him for, if anything. Uh, I, I really enjoyed Mark Stein's choice of words when he described Oladipo as potentially the most decorated player who could be moved, <laughs> which artfully didn't discuss the way he's playing right now in any way. Yeah, that, uh, that does not deserve a lot of decoration. Yeah, but no, I like this getting into self-tank mode is actually pretty important. So, I, I mean, he's clearly done a, a good job to me. Uh, my number one was James Jones, though. And- yeah. He's my number three. I have no problem with that. Yeah, you know, he. this team is on, you know, a 55-win pace. They were not in the playoffs last year, and he took Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, and a protected first, the mid-level, 
Dario Charge is a restricted free agent. That contract has looked really good. Finding guys on the margins like Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway for the minimum. Like Langston Galloway is on ice and he just comes in and has 14 points against the Wolves in 12 minutes the other night. So building a really deep team and getting Chris Paul, convincing Chris Paul to want to come there as well. And they've just been really, really good. Like to like that they have are the most improved team this year wouldn't you say from last year off the top of my head Maybe, yeah. I, I guess the nets but the, the nets already had katie and Kyrie. They right like there, theirs was year. more yeah it was a more health related improvement whereas that was was not as much the case with the suns yeah i i have no i have no real problem with that and and yeah the jalen smith pick might not work out but nobody i mean stone and presty don't have perfect resumes either so yeah i have i have zero problem with james jones and i actually think jones has a significant chance to win it because it's a lot easier to make the positive case for somebody whose team is actually doing well as opposed to the you know my one and two are both on teams that are not you know underperforming relative to the talent level but are not among the highest performing team yeah only us dorks uh, can, can love those uh i had presti number two and then hilariously last time we did not executive of the year i picked kevin durant slash rich Kleiman slash sean marks as my third pick for worst executive of the year but i had a note that this could easily change and we'll see where things end up but obviously getting James Harden if they don't make that trade who knows where the hell they are right now and they're probably going to be the number one seed in the east although the Bucks, I think are going to be heard from there as well but with all the time that KD and Kyrie have missed to be in this position and when those guys have all been together it's looked awesome so the thought was that hey how much does Harden really add they gave up so much to get him but I mean they look like they're they're probably gonna be my pick to come out of the east uh and They've also been able to stay afloat with the injuries as well. We'll see how, how it all works out. Getting Bruce Brown as well was really good. Some of their offseason moves. Jeff Green has been a stalwart for them as well. So uh, I they are now number three, Kevin Durant, Rich Kleiman, and Sean Marks on my executive of the year ballot and Stone was fourth. Dennis Lindsay, apologies to him uh, as well. Uh, although the favors thing is not working out for well. They are not a good defense. See, I, I don't have Lindsay high in it at all for me because a lot of the reasons the Jazz are succeeding were things that they already did. Yeah, like, that's true. And also, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a big a big part of why they've regressed has been that the favors thing isn't working out as well as it was uh, a month ago when I put him in the conversation. At least not executive of the year. I'm going to go with the same top two uh gerson rosas number one and tommy shepherd number two and i'm still going with troy weaver at number one because the pistons were trying to be good and yes I, they have they, they claim that they weren't though that's like, like all the reporting indicates i that mean they, i mean well okay so so they signed jeremy grant to this contract that he apparently could trade that him for two first round picks right now like that's yeah and, and but, probably should, honestly, because... But, Grant's like, kinda... I mean, Mason Palmer... But it's also some of the more egregious stuff on the margins. Dumping... Basically dumping Bruce Brown for nothing. The Luke Kennard trade. Like, I mean, all... Oh, like, no, I think that Luke Kennard trade is pretty good. Kennard, it's, like, not even in the rotation. Yeah, but Although, remember, they gave up a up bunch of... Seconds, they gave up yeah. a bunch of seconds in that, and then their team is terrible. Well, like, but didn't they also get uh, Sadiq Bay in that? Bay looks look like a good pick. I think they did. They did get Sadiq. I believe yeah, they did. I'd, I'd um, rather have Bay over Kennard. We'll see about all the, that army of second round picks but no um, that's true yeah but but so for me it's just yeah so they traded three second round picks 24 25 and 26 maybe even another one that is already conveyed um yeah and with with rosas i mean with the most interesting question and sucks i mean beyond all the other reasons it sucks that lamel ball is out is 
how we how we see that and then like for me if especially if anthony edwards outplays james wiseman who we both had wiseman over edwards though i had the two yeah. of them in the same tier yeah I, I, I think i i've probably seen enough from edwards at this point that i'd probably have him above wiseman if we were right. drafted so today. to me that that just takes... the flashes in the, in that one game and i guess i know you have to look at the whole season but like i just i haven't seen that level of flashes from wiseman the way we did with Edwards. like it's possible that both Lamelo ball and anthony edwards have had better games this year than wiseman will ever have in his career yep entirely possible and so for Rosas, also the malik beasley contract suspension notwithstanding i think that looks totally reasonable like the wolves are totally screwed but i think they're mostly totally screwed due to things that had already happened um and then who was you oh and tommy shepherd yeah i'm fine with that he's in my consideration yeah I, the, the whiz just being as bad as they are in that westbrook trade now wall hasn't played as well but also to give up the first round pick the bertans contract now out for two weeks with the cap injury uh that's not great but uh as well i understand that's when i understood at the time but yeah i mean it's just when you're trying to win around bradley beal and you have this type of a record i mean that's and you know obviously they haven't traded bradley beal they haven't rebuilt the way they need to their draft picks haven't looked unbelievable either uh and then my number three was danny ainge uh again just with the whole hayward trade exception saga and we'll see what they end up with uh, and and the team the the player option for jason tatum which was just yeah. an unnecessary thing to do a year early and you know some like yes it's true they probably didn't expect to use their bench as much as they have but i would say a lot of those haven't worked out particularly well either jeff t most notably among them and tristan thompson that looks like a negative value contract too giving him a second year all right so i think what we'll do actually we've got a few categories left like surprise team and player and monthly trends we'll save those for tomorrow we're about an hour 40 in right now in terms of, of recording time but this i mean these mvp conversations take like 45 minutes every time uh so i'm looking forward to doing that again next month and danny and i will be on the call for nba league pass our game is boston versus memphis a couple of struggling teams we're getting back to our roots here danny with with memphis that is the if taylor jenkins calls for a bunch of fouls at the end of the game i'm gonna go ballistic again <laughs> yeah. a tradition unlike any other uh, truly and also we are running a special for dunked on prime it's our our best rates 35 percent off the yearly price for total access trade deadline obviously danny and i will be breaking that down immediately if you get total access you can also get access to our live updating salary sheets during the trade deadline we usually get to those within a half hour or so of a, a trade being announced uh, on deadline day our free agent rankings as well basically all of the material that danny and i use uh, for research to look at stuff uh, you you'll have access to that you'll have access to my chat i'm doing one on tuesday at one pacific danny and i alternate weeks uh, on that and also of course you get this podcast ad free and four more ad free podcasts uh, per week during the season as well so please sign up for dunked on prime get that great deal the best deal that we offer at this point we usually do it during like heavy transaction times so your next chance to do it will probably be around free agency and the draft but no reason to wait until then you want to get all the playoffs and stuff too so get it for the lowest possible price and we will talk to y'all next time till then Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 